Jesus presents that parable not so that we in desperation forgive so we're forgiven, but to remind us how great of a treasure we have in forgiveness and how pitiful, how awful it is if we let the devil have a foothold and we let bitterness take root and we decide in our pettiness that we won't let go of something so insignificant compared to what God let go for us. Here's the marvelous truth. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient Faith for Today's World. September 17, 2023. Ephesians 4:29 to 5:2. Do you remember what it was like to show up at the first day at your new job? You probably had a, a period where they, they showed you the ropes, where they, they trained you on what you were supposed to be doing, and maybe even you shadowed a different employee and watched what they did. As they said, here, here, this is how it's done. I can remember my first job was essentially working at the cemetery, taking care of the grounds, making sure that the grass was cut and when a grave was filled in to make sure everything's leveled off, the grass grew and to water it. Even imitating, yes, the the person over me, my older brother, who said, here, this is how it's done, as we swept off the grass off every single tombstone. Kind of glad I'm on the other end of that now, working as a pastor. But you probably recall when you, when you had that job, when you had the, the beginning, how you learned the ropes by imitating what is supposed to be done. Well, today we're going to look at one final thing on how God wants his church to live and to be, and we're going to see how we're to be imitators of God and we're to do what he has done and do even, even the most difficult thing that we might have to do, which he has done, as we imitate him. That's what Paul writes about in Ephesians chapters 4 and 5. And it, it probably wouldn't be accurate to call this a new job position, but you have been given something new, a new status before God. God, as we read in Ephesians, describes that you are now brought from darkness to light. He has made you his own, brought you into his kingdom and out of the dominion of darkness. Once serving evil, now you're to serve him. Once living for selfishness and under the sway of the devil, now slave to righteousness. And the way that Paul describes our life is children of God, is that we are now in a new standing. And we have a new position. It's as if we, we are waking up in the morning and getting ready to start our day. And as we go about our day, Paul describes how we're to live. He starts earlier in this chapter by saying, put on the new self. He might say, these are our servant clothes, our, our new clothing. He says, created to be like God. Take off, he says, the old self. That's our, our former way of life, our former employment, slaves to sin. And now he says, put on the new self, created to be like God in holiness and righteousness. And I, I want you to note today that that's not what Paul says makes you a Christian. He says you are children of light. And we read early on, you have been saved. Now, in light of that, how are you going to dress for your day? How are you going to go about your life? Put that new self on. And later on in the morning, as we're getting ready to head out the door, he describes 
power to live, as he says in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Actually, maybe we don't think about it, but the mouth, what we say and what we do, probably has a bigger influence than whatever we're going to work with our hands for that day. It'll have a bigger impact on our life and the life of those around us. You know, James, the apostle, describes the mouth in the words that we produce like a small spark which can set an entire forest ablaze. Now that's for destruction. Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths because we know what happens if words of destruction, rotten words come out. It will have some effect. And sometimes even the effect will ripple where you can destroy someone's reputation or someone's name. You can ruin someone's day or possibly someone's career just by your words. But you might say, well, okay, I'm ready for the day then if I just shut my mouth. It's not what Paul intends. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but what is helpful for building others up? To be like God means to speak words that bring good. To speak in a way as God spoke to create goodness in this world, we speak in a way that builds others up in their life. We've seen the progression that Paul talks about here. If we're not saying something to build someone up, we know what happens. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling or quarreling and slander with every form of malice. Maybe you kind of see a progression there. When, when you're not taking check on your words and you're allowing yourself just to, to tear others down with your words or to use your words in a way that is unwholesome and not building up, It starts with bitterness. And that bitterness just grows. And soon they come and they form words. And then in bitterness, we speak in anger or in rage against someone. I'm sure you've experienced it. When you're filled with bitterness, the words that come out of your mouth will be bitter. And as we speak in anger and rage, quarreling and slander comes with every form of malice. That that progression that is destructive And it's only afterwards that we can reflect on what happened and realize how that root took hold in our heart. The bitterness swelled up in our mouth and we caused havoc. But it's not simply harming those around you. Paul says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Brothers and sisters, I'm not, once again, I'm not telling you how to live so that you can be God's child. You are God's child and he has poured out his spirit into your heart. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And this we know is true. When, when you let bitterness take hold and you speak words of destruction or words of rage and anger or when you don't build someone up but tear them down, you're not just grieving those around you we must reflect and realize we are grieving the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us. It's a precious gift to know that that God has poured out his spirit into our hearts. And isn't it tragic that a Christian can wake up in the morning, get dressed for the day, and decide they're not going to leave room for the spirit, but they're going to pour out bitterness. So what does God have us do? Not just our words, 
not just the things we don't say or the things we say, but he gives us the hardest challenge as we become imitators of God, as he would have us change the way we conduct our hearts. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Now this is probably the the hardest thing he asks, to, to wake up in the morning and to forgive. You might say, well, of course, I, I can forgive that person who has, you know, sort of been nice along the way and they made a mistake. Or I can forgive that person that I have to get along with. Or, you know what, this, this person deserves my forgiveness because I owe them one. But I can't forgive that person. I can't let go of what, what they did. And the bitterness holds in your heart. What God calls for here is he says, Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Christ did not forgive us because we deserved it. Christ didn't forgive us because we were going to pay him back. He forgave. And when God calls for forgiveness here, it means that person that was very bitter towards you or maybe that person who with their words just tore you down and you can't seem to let go of the hurt they caused. Forgive which means let go of it. Don't hold it on your agenda to make them pay or to let it harm or affect you. Let, let go and let God deal with it. And God did deal with it. God forgave you as he paid for not just your sins, but the sins of the whole world. You know, earlier we read about Jesus describing the, the type of forgiveness that God wants from his church. See, the church God wants is not just a church that takes care of its own or a church that is able to met out a little bit of kindness it's a church that imitates him and that's the parable that Jesus gave that that wealthy man had a, a servant who owed him so much when you look at the amount it was it was impossible how could he ever pay it back and we see how the man forgave it now it doesn't mean that God just ignores and he absorbed the cost in himself that Master forgave his servant. And then we see the turnaround, right? The, the servant couldn't forgive one of his fellow servants who owed him so little. Jesus points towards you, towards me, and says, that's what happens. God has forgiven you so much. How do you treat the person next to you? And as we see the, the servant Jesus describes didn't forgive his friend, his, his fellow servant, that little amount, but rather threw him into prison and held it against him and that bitterness would not let go how his master treated him. God tells us, that's what your Father in heaven will do with you if you do not forgive your brother, and this is key, from the heart. That means even if they don't seek forgiveness, that you already had let go of seeking revenge. That means you're ready at the moment they come to you begging for mercy, that you're able to say freely and fully, I've already forgiven you. And as a Christian, you can even say, God has forgiven you. But if not, if not, will God forgive you? 
Jesus presents that parable not so that we in desperation forgive so we're forgiven, but to remind us how great of a treasure we have in forgiveness and how pitiful, how awful it is if we let the devil have a foothold and we let bitterness take root and we decide in our pettiness that we won't let go of something so insignificant compared to what God let go for us. Here's the marvelous truth. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. And then he says, follow God's example. As some translations put it, imitate God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as in Christ. Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus saw the bitterness he literally drank what was bitter as he was mocked and ridiculed. And as the world lashed out with every word possible to mock him as he died, he did not lash out, but cried out, Father, forgive them. And Jesus, the holy, perfect Son of God, for every time that someone around him slandered him or sought to tear him down, spoke the truth and spoke in a way that would build them up. Yes, sometimes saying harsh law but always in a way to lead them to God, to repentance and to faith, and to see who he was. God had sent him to take every bitterness, every sin, every quarrel, every argument on himself. God didn't just ignore sin. He took the cost, and he did that through his son on the cross, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The aroma, the sweet-smelling aroma of forgiveness with all bitterness gone. Your sins, my sin, and yes, the sins of the person who so bitterly offended you. Forgive as God forgave you. Be imitators of God. You know, my um, children probably wouldn't mind me sharing this story. I won't mention who it was, but one of them said, Daddy, you melt my heart. And turns out, they had learned to imitate that from their mother. They didn't know how to do it themselves to say such a phrase, but it was kind of cute hearing it from a, a little two-year-old. And then another child that came home one day was completely covered in grease, black lines running across their arms, black lines on their face. It turns out that they wanted to imitate me. They wanted to get on my bicycle and try riding around on the bike because that's what dad did. They were just trying to imitate their father. Of course, getting on that bicycle was nearly impossible for them. But God doesn't ask you to imitate what's impossible. He's not telling you to get on some high horse that you cannot ride. The devil will say you cannot forgive. He'll say you don't need to forgive. They don't deserve forgiveness. But as dearly loved children of God, imitate your Father who let go of every wrong. God's not asking you to do the impossible. He's only asking you to do what you cannot do on your own. You cannot do it unless you look to your Father in heaven and you look to his Son and imitating the love of your God in Christ, forgive as God forgave you. The church God wants is not one filled with people who show up ready to, to serve their God as if they're on the first day of work not paying attention church God wants is one where they, they set their eyes on the one who blazed the path, their king, their Lord, the one that they serve, who forgave everything, and as they imitate him.
Amen.